Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by B21, a platform which helps you start your journey with cryptocurrencies. Visit b21.io slash hustleshare and get $2 upon signing up. Also powered by Podmetrics, the only analytics platform you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up now at podmetrics.co for free and use the code hustleshare. If you want to like, try to build a business, one is don't go after fame and glory. Two is make sure you really know the, the technical details of what you're trying to solve. That way you come up with the best solution possible for your market. Welcome to Hustle Share, the podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. This is by far the biggest crowd we've had in any episode but it's big not just because of sheer number of guests we have in one recording because again we are starting to come into the golden age of startups in the Philippines because again if y'all have been listening to this podcast in the past couple of weeks there are three Filipino startups in the current season of Y Combinator and today we'll be having one of them because we have the boys from Dash Labs AI Billy Tan, Brian Giger, and Martin Gomez of Dash Labs. Whoop, whoop. Welcome to the show, guys. 
So again, thanks guys for having the time. I know we're right smack in the middle of your YC hustle, but thanks for granting us the time in giving us an idea what it's like being in YC at the moment because I know you've been hustling, shipping products, getting users, and doing everything else in between. But before I get carried away, I need to ask you the million dollar question. Guys, what's your hustle? So this is Philly. And for me personally, my hustle is... I like to build a lot of personal projects. I've been exposed in the entrepreneurship culture ever since I was 15. Whoa. So since grade nine, actually, Martin was my teacher back then. And What? since grade nine, he has actually exposed me to the culture of hackathons and building a lot of these projects. So because of that, I've actually learned a lot from it, from the startup community in the Philippines. And I've actually applied the things that I've learned in personal projects and also in Dash Labs. That's amazing. So again, I'll give everybody your thunder because again, you don't get into YC if you had a shitty ass team. I've had the opportunity of uh, having two of your predecessors before. Uh, last year, I had the first ever YC Filipino startup, Caliber. They gave us a glimpse of what that is. I've had also the Paymongo dudes, uh, again, Francis Plaza. And recently uh, with 335 Fund with Luis Sia, Telling us again what it takes to be in YC. And it says, Team, Tam, and I forgot the last one. <laughs> If you want to listen, just go a couple episodes back. Two, three, five, one. But again, I need y'all to also buckle up. This is a, the biggest crowd, right? Before we have a seven-seater, seven we have six seats occupied right now in this uh, episode because we're going to have to ride the Hustle Shared Time Machine. <laughs> There you go. Elon Musk actually wants to invest here. But again, I'm still figuring out the valuation of how I let him in on the Hustle Share Time Machine because we've had the, in the whole region at least, we've had the, the most amazing guys ride this time machine with, <laughs> with me. But I want to dissect. So, Philly, you told us about your past, how you've met Martin. He was your professor. But I want to talk about your other co-founders here. Let's start with Brian Giger. Here, who also looks like a Toto deal today of all Pokemons. Brian, what's up? And I want to find out what was your first exposure to entrepreneurship and what was your life pre Dash Labs? So, I would say two answers to that question. One is that my parents, so my parents have been very entrepreneurial, like going back to my grandma and my mom's side. Mm -hmm. So, my mom had a coffee shop, my dad um, had his own business. And then sort of again in high school uh, with Martin, who was also a teacher, um, he basically set up the what we call Next Lab. So it was like a wow. club where you built projects as an extracurricular. And then when I went to university, it was just building stuff. And mm. I ended up founding my first startup in 2018 wow. in university. Had a second one in 2019, left that in 2020, went back to the Philippines to supposedly rest. But then mm -hmm. COVID happened. I reconnected with the group and just started working on Dash Dashboard. Got it. And, and you were a dev by default, is it? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm a dev. So, All right. No, um, but I went to a business school. So wow. I, I, learning, I mean, I learned programming in high school with Martin. Um, continued to learn programming. Took two gap years, um, actually, to work as a programmer somewhere. And then basically you decided, you know, I'm going to go to a business school to learn something that uh, economics seemed interesting. 
but how do you say this? Um, and I kind of knew programming, so I didn't want to be forced to study programming because it was pretty fun. And, and that's very interesting, Brian, because again, by default, programmers, knowing them, are problem solvers by default. They're wired differently. It's engineering technically, right? You're, you're, you're trying to solve with code. But I also see, based on experience, that uh, there is a wide chasm uh, between programming and real-life business solutions sometimes. And that's why the Scrum Masters exist, product managers exist, because if you don't have that empathy towards what a user really wants, sometimes what happens is a programmer ends up creating a product that nobody wants to use. And he falls in love with a problem. But you having that ability to really be exposed on business and programming, that's a secret sauce right there. But um, before we get to your next co-founders, I want to understand, having that point of view, mixing business and tech, how do you approach solving problems now, really looking at having those two exposures and how do you marry them into one? So maybe just a reflection my role right now, what I'm doing most of the time is one is like looking at what exists in the world and, and especially for projects we have, you know, what the clients want, what the clients need. And then since I'm familiar with the tech and the schema and the way our product works internally, I sort of convert it to um, dev issues, put it on the board so the devs have an easier time, you know, building the product. Mm. That's amazing. And again, just looking at, you know, looking at the best CEOs that are really making exponential companies that become unicorns, majority of the time, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world and whatnot, they're dev-led. But there's a big but. They're dev-led and they build product. Because again, the sad reality sometimes in the Philippines, where again, I think the second largest outsourcing company or country uh, in the world that outsources tech talent. Most of our devs, locally at least, sell their services instead of building products. So, great job. Now, I want to go to your teacher. Okay, Sir, Sir Martin, what have you been doing getting all these kids to do things? I want to find out uh, what was your life prior to Dash Labs and what were you doing with these kids and how were you giving them a glimpse of the future? Uh, I guess it's really um opportunity to be able to mold natural talent, right? I mean, if you don't have good material to work with, then it's a bit challenging as well to be able to create good products, right? Yeah. So in a, in a sense, I, I, I would say that um, what happened was that it was uh, their own interest. Uh, yeah. I just provided them with, uh, show them which doors are possible, right? Mm-hmm. And then they were the ones who actually opened those doors and stepped into them. Right. And where were you teaching back then? Just to provide content and give a shout out to the institution of where these guys you met these guys. As sure, well. sure. So I'm uh, I, I I taught in uh, Savior School. For oh, first- Savior boys, what's up? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Savior, and um, I am also an alumnus of uh, of of Savior. Why did I teach in Savior? I actually did not, in my wildest dreams, even think about uh, teaching back then. Okay. Uh, it just so happened that I was invited back to teach for like uh, uh, one year and then, you know, uh, fell in love with it. And then I yep. stayed for uh, 15 years. So in that aspect, uh, we were able to create a lot of um, these innovations, including the creation of an innovation lab where we did software development, robotics, uh, 3D printing, um, entrepreneurship wow. uh, at quite a number of other initiatives as well. 
Right. And I just want to hammer down on several things because other than being a faculty and being a teacher by default, I've seen, I'm literally at your LinkedIn as we speak. And <laughs> you've been um, also teaching a lot of people outside of the academe, like being head of campus programs and information technology in Shopee. You're also a mentor in Stanford. So it's important, right, in an amazing team that you have an adult in a room who's, again, if, if you have an, an adult in the room who also is inclined towards teaching, that is a secret sauce as well. Because now all of a sudden, you, you can, again, be the adult in the room and mm-hmm. get people to look farther than what they see on their own horizon. Yeah. So I, I have always been in human resources, in hu- human capital, as well as in um, learning and development. Uh, even when I was with uh, IBM, uh, I was there for 10 wow. years. I was uh, majorly in uh, learning and dev uh, as a facilitator, as an instructional designer, as well as a program manager for uh, L&D. I also did uh, management consulting stints for clients, uh, wow. for human capital management. And as, uh, as, as one of the country heads of, uh, of Shopee, where I essentially focused on HR as well as IT, wow. I was very fortunate. So I've been able to be given the opportunity to grow uh, people there, uh, mm-hmm. not just in terms of numbers, but also in terms of uh, quality. That's amazing. Now, last question before we take our first break. You guys all came from one origin and you, you all love science by default. But what is the common thing that you guys saw? Because I'm pretty sure you're not the only people that, uh, that came from this club that you're in, right? What's that meeting of the minds that happened when you decided that, hey, maybe it's time to do something together? Um, I think if you're asking how uh, this all started, right? Um, this all started as a as, as a volunteer effort, right? Mm. So with Dashboard Philippines. Okay. Where what is Dashboard we, Philippines? So Dashboard Philippines is essentially a site where people at the onset of the pandemic, uh, Filipinos okay. would be able to understand where to be able to uh, buy their essential needs and essential mm. goods in order for them to be able to survive. Because during that time, uh, as you know, uh, it was our first experience to have what you call a community quarantine. And because of the community quarantine, there were a lot of checkpoints, a lot of roads were closed, a lot of institutions and establishments were also closed. So people did not know where to essentially do their groceries, um, to do their banking, to do their yep. uh, water refilling even, right? Mm-hmm. So that said... Uh, our CTO, Weston, um, yep. was really the, uh, the catalyst of this, wow. right? Uh, he, uh, together with JB, uh, were the ones who really kick-started uh, this, this, this initiative. And because I uh, keep in contact with uh, my former students, mm-hmm. I essentially saw in their class group that they were asking people to try it out. What they wow. uh, what they really built. So I, I I asked them, hey, do you need help? And then they said, yeah, sure, why not? And that is where I came in to uh, pull in Philly, to pull in Brian, to pull in other nice. people to be able to uh, help out in the in the initiative. That's- it now therefore expanded into mm-hmm. other uh, services, including the routes for healthcare workers, so that they understand 
uh, when the shuttles will be arriving and what the stations are and the routes that they're going to be taking, as wow. well as the uh, an even more needed product, uh, mm-hmm. even up to today, which is hospitals availability, right? Yeah. As you know, a lot of people uh, are being turned away because a lot of the hospitals are essentially filled to the brim. Mm-hmm. And if you are pregnant and you are about to... Um, uh, deliver a baby. Right. Um, you can't wait in the parking lot of an emergency room. Correct. Right? What you need to do is to be able to understand first which hospital or which healthcare institution even um, would be available to help you prior to leaving the home so that if you have an understanding which ones can accommodate you, then you go straight to that even if it's two cities uh, uh, forward. To the nearest. Wow. So that's uh, those are some of the uh, things that we we've done. Right now, uh, we're doing quite a number of other initiatives as well uh, uh-huh. together in with the with our partnership with the Red Cross. Right. Uh, right. These isolation sites, as well uh-huh. as uh, emergency field hospitals, and quite a number of other initiatives that uh, I'm very sure um, Philly and Brian would be able to expound on as well. All right. Now let's take our first break and want to come back. Let's talk about what, again, you did with the Red Cross and how you took it further into going all the way to the other side of the Pacific and joining YC. Well, let's talk about that more after the break. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. Thank and we're back in the break. We are still with the Dash Lab boys who again met prior to this in Savior before through their Budol professor, Sir Martin. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> but again, it's great that because again, a lot of the great teams that really make it have 
prior camaraderie b- before? And that's what I want to find out. Because, again, you've already decided to come together in a great cause to pay it forward, especially in the time of pandemic using technology. But I want to find out, you've built something, but a lot of people end up being something that not a lot of people use. In this pandemic, every single technology that really helps solve a problem is key. What did you see after you shipped Dashboard Philippines that made you see that, hey, okay, what we're building here is uh, something substantial? Okay, so... Well, we started coming together, as Martin said, uh, with uh, Dashboard Philippines to provide, you know, build software to help Filipinos. That that is our initial initial like tagline. Yeah. And um, it got to the point where we hit like there was this um, survey done by Business Mirror where they put the twenty most innovative countries in the COVID pandemic early on, and somehow Philippines ended up at number twenty. Wow. Because of the innovations we were having, part of it was Dashboard Philippines, but there were a few others, wow. and it was pretty cool. Um, but anyway, Dashboard Philippines got a lot of traction early on. We got some media articles that the government reached out to us and asked us to build the national COVID nineteen dashboard. So wow. we still run. Uh, we built and we still run COVID nineteen dot gov dot ph or laggingham.gov.ph. and we did that from I think March. March yeah, to April March. was Dashboard Philippines. Then April mm-hmm. to May was uh, Lagging Handa. And then around May was when Red Cross started happening. Okay. So for context, Red Cross as a humanitarian organization decided that the best way they can help in the pandemic was to do COVID testing because we did not. Yes. And that was scarce last year. You don't even know how to, and you're everybody was like going into the, the bootleg versions, whatever those rapid tests, the, the blood tests were. You know, so hard to source it out. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Exactly. Now, I want to find out about the traction. So, you build a product, shipped it. What was the user reaction to it? What did that entail? So, lagging and I mean, it, it naturally got traction because it's the government website, right? So, right, uh, that, that should speak for anything, but. For Red Cross, I mean, we started, so Red Cross was, I think at that point, well, the problem they had was everything paper-based. So they, they built the labs. Wow. Um, they created a process. And I think at that time, there were, I think, three, four or five, I don't know, labs mm-hmm. in the country. But then everybody coming into NAEA, you know, all the OFWs coming in would have to get tested because of the yeah. law and Red Cross would be doing that testing. And so mm-hmm. on you would have to fill in a lot of paper, which was mm-hmm. either filled in to Excel by the Coast Guard or shipped by the kilogram to the Red Cross headquarters. Wow. And these were like 10,000 samples a day, I think at that point, but the labs can only process 3,000 because they would have to manually encode the papers to Excel before the samples can even be processed. After the samples are processed, you had a team of volunteers just sending the results out one by one. Wow. And if the results, uh, if the email didn't match or someone misencoded the email or miswrote the email, people Got wouldn't it. get the results and couldn't go home. It was a big yeah. problem. So what we decided was, okay, let's just digitize the encoding of information. We created the first version of the, what we call the ECIF, so Electronic Case Investigation Form. And we deployed that, I think, on June 12th to NAIA Terminal 2. Wow. And we just, you know, went airport by airport that at one point we were running the most of the COVID testing across the Naia and Clark Airport, mm-hmm. uh, as well as the LGUs, the mega solving facilities, and um, essentially COVID, COVID mm-hmm. testing by the Red Cross across the country. Mm-hmm. At one point, we were the software powering 50% of COVID tests in the Philippines. Wow. Um, but now it's gone down to 30%-ish uh, with the latest numbers. Um, That's amazing. More labs came up. 
All right, I want to talk about the tech side, right? Because again, if this was a product you had to ship fast, you need to take to choose a stack that allows you to ship fast and also not break apart from that point. I want to talk to Philly about this. Uh, as CIO, what did you guys do to build the right tech stack, choose the right tech stack, and also ship fast? Because what you're trying to build required a lot of data and a lot of that was manual. You needed to build it on an infra that is able to actually scale. And again, you can keep building on top of really fast. So there are a few things we wanted to solve when we were actually choosing our architecture. So one is we want it to be scalable, as you've mentioned. We want it so that when we have a spike in demand of users, they can be able to still encode their ECIFs and ensure that they can properly get their COVID-19 test result. And another requirement for our team was we needed a way to build fast. We needed a way for the team to push a lot of hot fixes, especially when there's an emergency. Yeah. And through this, we've actually um, been experimenting with a lot of different tech stacks um, before the course of being affiliated with the Philippine Red Cross. And we ended up selling with um, using React, Next.js, yes. and GraphQL. So it's mostly a Node.js stack, but mm-hmm. with TypeScript as well. We want to incorporate TypeScript so we can have safe type checking. But wow. that's what we use for our development-wise. Mm-hmm. So that way, when we build things with GraphQL, we save up on bandwidth. We don't really use that much um, network allocations. Yep. And um, our, we also are able to use this. We modified it a bit. Um, I've actually published a boilerplate online on the Dashboard wow. Philippines GitHub page. We'll and... put that in the show notes if you want to check it out. And you're like, how did the hell? If you're a dev and you're like, how did these boys do it? Like, don't worry, we got you. We'll put the GitHub link on it. All right. Yeah, that was, that's awesome. So we're able to basically use these different technologies and module, modularize them, if that's the correct terminology. Yes. And we basically compartmentalize it into its own different components. So right. that way whenever we're adding a new component or whenever we're doing a hot fix, we're able to build things in a very functional way with code that's very abstracted and it's easy to read and it's easy to manage. So that's pretty much it for the development side of things. Mm -hmm. For the infrastructure side, we've actually used a lot of technologies for it. So one is Cloudflare. You may have heard of it. They're a big company. What they allow us to do is they allow us to um, scale big and grow our network in, mm-hmm. to build a content delivery network. That mm-hmm. way, someone who's visiting from China or the United States, they'll always have the fastest um, connection to our servers. Mm-hmm. And we've used Google Cloud, Docker, and Kubernetes to build like the underlying infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And using these technologies, we're able to containerize each of our different small microservices yes. to increase security, and also um, with Kubernetes and Docker, it's pretty scalable. So correct. I think the best way to describe Kubernetes and Docker is since our applications are containerized, say, for example, if we're going to have a lot of like people visiting from China because there's an inbound flight from China to the Philippines, or there's like five inbound flights, for example, right? we can easily scale up to that demand because Kubernetes has... Um, horizontal pod autoscalers and vertical pod autoscalers. Yeah. We can scale um, so that there's more instances per computer or we can add more, even more resources um, down mm-hmm. the line. That's so amazing. With this infrastructure, we're able to build a platform that's enterprise grade and that's able to be accessible with like 
millions of people um, opening it at the same time. So yeah, it's pretty much it for the technology. That's amazing. And you know, uh, uh, just hearing this again uh, br- brought me back to my my dev iteration before in Chatbot page. It's the same stack we did, but th- we took forever to build. You know, our microservices, Kubernetes, and whatnot. You guys built this fast, and that's what amazes me. And right in the thick of the war itself for COVID, and by building a product and choosing the right MVP stack, mm-hmm. right, it allowed you to deliver fast. Because here's what also a lot of start- startup founders fail to do. Yes, creating an MVP matters, shipping it fast, getting it to customers. But if you build an MVP, that's not going to allow you to scale you're still going to hit that road bump. You're still going to hit a wall. And what's going to end up happening is going to rebuild. And then what you're going to look at is like, shit, my pro- my users want this. I can't scale because I chose the wrong tech stack. And you're catch-22. And you're going to end up starting from scratch again. So that's amazing. Mad props, guys. Actually, um, funny story. Before I actually um, met up with these guys, I wasn't actually familiar with TypeScript, GraphQL. Wow. So you learned on the myself. fly. And um, if anything, I've actually learned a lot of these different things from our CTO, Weston. Since um, back in the day, sadly, he's not on the call right now. But back in the day, Weston um, used to run this company. It's called Tabber. Um, It's a debate platform where people can easily use this to manage debate tournaments and the like. Mm -hmm. And they've actually um, used TypeScript, GraphQL, Next.js from the ground up. And ever since Brian and I and all the other folks in the team tried it, we're just like, holy crap, it's actually much easier to use. Like, if anything, like using such architecture has increased our dev time. Mm -hmm. Flashes of the old Ruby on Rails when people just touch uh, Ruby from from the old architecture that we were doing at least 10 years ago. So it's amazing. Now, Mm -hmm. I want to understand now you built this product. Why and how did the YC opportunity come and how did you take advantage of it? Because I've, I've seen also a, a little parallel of how the PayMongo guys did it. They were doing something else. They were actually in dire straits with what they were doing back then. And then they tried to apply, okay, let's try YC. But you guys were doing something for, you know, trying to pay it for is not for profit. How did you realize that you might have something amazing here that it can be YC worthy? Martin. Sure. So what happened was that uh, we deployed with the Red Cross, right? Yeah. And what happened was that uh, a lot of the uh, medtechs in, uh, in, in, in Red Cross were essentially saying, hey, this is a, a, a super good experience um, with respect to the work that we do. It really enables us to do our work better. And yeah. then I think that trickled down to um, cer- certain uh, lab owners because mm-hmm. they themselves were flying in uh, in uh, in the IA. They saw that the the process was essentially uh, very fluid, right, and optimized. And what happened was that they get this uh, this this strip of paper, right, that uh, has their QR code and all, all these things. And we have this tiny little one liner there that says powered by dashboard Philippines. It doesn't even say powered by Dash Labs. Right. right. So I, they, these guys uh, who were apparently uh, doctors, pathologists, right? Wow. That flew in and they, they were like, hey, I want this, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm building my own lab. And uh, so they made an effort to actually look for us. 
And wow. uh, when they found us, they were like, "Hey, can you please uh, commercialize this uh, this software?" Makes so sense. we were like, "Ah, okay. Uh, we'll discuss with the team." And then we did, and we were like, "Okay, this is also a very good opportunity to create uh, certain enhancements, right?" Okay. So what we did was to actually uh, rewrite the entire system oh. from ground up. Again, right. so just exactly yeah. what I said earlier that you have to rewrite eventually, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so that we could actually create a, a spin-off, um, mm-hmm. and then we uh, quickly organize as a as a as a company, and then we applied to YC like three days prior to the deadline. Wow, <laughs> that's again very famous. <laughs> right in the nick of time, they yeah. applied. We, we okay. only applied because uh, Weston is a huge. YC fan boy. There. So he used to work for two uh, YC companies before. Ah. Uh, one is uh, called Melotic, and then okay. the other one is called uh, Send It. Send It, of course. Uh, again, sorry, but Paymango competitor, <laughs> <laughs> right? But an Indonesian True. startup who's also doing an amazing job in, in payments uh, as well. But here's what I found uh, I, I want to understand. So you applied in YC. What was the experience like when you saw that you are going to be interviewed? Because this is where people drop the ball, right? Yeah, you can get it. And again, the cherry has been popped because of PayMongo. And there's now three of you Filipino startups in there. I want to understand and I want to know from your point of view, what was it like when you got the confirmation that you have that chance to push through? And how did you prepare for the 10-minute interview that is dreaded? And where that's your make or break, technically. How did you prepare and what did it feel like seeing that you're moving on to the next round? Well, stressful for one, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good kind of stress shit. Like, everybody wants this. Yeah, no. Um, so we got our confirm or interview invite on, I think, October 21. Okay. Our interview was October 29. Wow. So we had seven or eight days to, yeah. to prepare. And mm-hmm. so what happened was it was a mad rush. One is to really go through the business and, and try to understand it a bit more. We created one Google Slides cheat sheet with all, all the details and who's taking which topic. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like a, a box that says, okay, this is Brian, uh, market, and the quick details about the market. And Martin had some stuff and, and Weston had some stuff. And... After that, we also asked for mock interviews with a few people. So the PayMongo guys helped us a lot by giving us I think, three mock interviews at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, three or four, I don't know. Uh, yeah, and essentially, somehow we managed to, to do well enough in the interview. I remember taking the interview. I was in Switzerland that time. And the, the team was in the Philippines, right? So, so we had our call and basically we stayed up until... We got the confirmation. Then, then I think I got the confirmation like 5 a.m. my time, around 11 a.m. Um, Philippine time. Mm-hmm. And then it was Jared Friedman that called me and he called me and he said like, oh, sorry, it's 5 a.m. your time. I was expecting you to be in the Philippines. So I waited to call you. <laughs> <laughs> and you're somewhere in the Swiss Alps out there. Right. So, so it's funny that, that he waited. So we were probably the last in, in our like day to get the confirmation because he was being considerate, but, but it was just amazing. And that's amazing. All right. So okay. I, I want to find out two things because lately one of the Filipino startups who tried also kind of so David Marquez of what did we I forgot they they used to be 
no, they're called shipmates. 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 Wrote, wrote, wrote about a blog about how, how that 10-minute interview was like. And that felt like the, the longest 10 minutes of their life, according to him. And again, we'll put it in the show notes if you want to understand. And you can't drop the ball in it. And if YC is looking for team TAM in traction, what did you put in your, in your deck in that 10 minutes? And how did you take advantage to really maximize your chance? So, you know, YC would always ask, what do you do or what are you building, right? And, and then I think, I'm not sure if it was me or Weston that initially answered it. We're building basically uh, lab software for emerging markets, as we call it, because essentially that, that's what it was, digitized labs in emerging markets. And then um, it actually got, went through a technical tact where um, they asked us, okay, how does our product work? Why do we actually um, help labs operate better? And how are we able to create such time savings for the Red Cross and so on and build at such a scale? And um, Wesson was able to, you know, we, we just explained uh, the product on a technical level and it really worked out because we had a few like scientific partners on, on our, um, like on our panel where he yeah. explained, okay, these, we were able to integrate with the machine and draw the graphs on, on I mean, we have our product hunt, which shows how the, how the software worked internally, but ah, how the graphs wow. were, were, were being drawn and so on. And it, I guess, impress them i don't know um nice. I impress, but it made things easier so the questions we had were more focused on product rather than market I would say. all um, right now i want to find out what was it like when you found out that you got in and if it was a mad rush for that interview what happened next uh, well, I was uh, I I I was uh, not not out, so I only found out <laughs> later on when I, I woke up. Uh, I think Philly was on uh, on a on a on a on a on a Zoom call with uh, with Brian at the time. Uh, Philly, yeah, if I recall correctly, I was in a Zoom call that time. I think during that time I was in Vancouver, and it was like almost late night ish, okay. like eleven p.m. or something like it. Uh-huh. And um, what ended up happening was I got the news and I was like, <laughs> "You woke up everybody in Vancouver for sure, right?" I no? mean, it wasn't that late out, luckily. <laughs> but then I was like, I, I was like speechless. Well, fifty percent wow. because I was I've been working a lot during that day, and also fifty percent like I'm I'm just amazed. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 amazing. Now, Brian, uh, you want to add into what that felt like when you got the news? Uh, very very amazing i mean so what happened was um so it was my phone number registered on the platform so i got called and i was on the basically google, yeah google meets call with, with the team and then i pick up the phone and i start talking it took like maybe like a few seconds for for everybody to realize that you know i wasn't i was in a i was in a phone call and right. there's only one person that could probably call me at that time and everybody's just like oh my god we got in we got in we got in nice <laughs> That's amazing. So again, mad congrats for bannering us for, again, one, not one, but two, but three Filipino startups in YC. But I want to find out now, what's the YC experience? So, you know, it's all fun and games until y'all need to hustle and prove your mettle in YC. Because at the end of the day, there's that dreaded demo day that you need to prepare for. And what's unique about the YC experience now is that I think you're doing this remotely, where normally you'd have to be in the valley, hustling there all together. Walk us through what happens after that news and what did you do next to really build uh, Dash Labs now from the ground up? So, yeah, I think we were so super, super, super fortunate to be able to do the YC 
program um, here in Manila uh, remotely. The reason being is that uh, I remember how Dexter of Caliber would make cuento, right, uh, about how he would need to fly every two weeks, I think, yep. uh, from the valley back to Manila and then back to the valley because, again, his um, Caliber's uh, no, market is, uh, is the Philippines, right? Okay. Uh, and our market is the Philippines. Uh, and just imagine uh, if we had to do that, right? So we're very fortunate to have been able to continue serving our clients, be able to deliver, be able to do what is essentially needed and what is essential, right, mm. for the Filipino people. Again, uh, we are in healthcare technology, so therefore it is highly critical that uh, we are able to deliver services right on time uh, and be able yeah. to be proactive as well in being able to ensure that more Filipinos are protected against uh, the pandemic and addressed uh, with respect to their needs. And I have to think also, you saved up a significant amount of money to, you know, not fly back and forth because that, that 14, 16 hour flight is a bitch. I've tried that before. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Uh, and it fucks your life up because of, you know, jet lag as well. Brian, can you yes. talk about that? Where did that, you know, uh, that saved money go then that you could have used to really fuel you guys forward? I mean, like just thinking about it, like, we're a team of six founders, right? And yeah. and to not only fly to Silicon Valley, but to live there is, I mean, even if we get a, a flat, we're going to yep. be getting, like probably half our investment just on living expenses. Yeah, And that's not so good in terms of runway and as a startup. Um, we were actually, by being remote, we were actually able to use the money more effectively into yeah. hiring people and growing the team. And the fact that we were closer to clients allowed us to scale and grow faster. So it was that's- just so much better to be remote. Absolutely. Okay. Now let's take our last break and when we come back, let's now pay it forward and give a better opportunity for Filipino startups that want to try. And if they do, what can they maximize in YC? And again, tell us what's up next for Dash Labs and what you're building. Let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again. And we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup. Because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. 
You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Pilipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn in flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2023. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break. We are still with the Dash Lab boys again, who just told us how they got into YC, what it felt like. So again, mad props and mad congratulations to all of you who are now still in the thick, I think, of doing the YC hustle as we recorded this. But I want to find out. So, okay, you're you're hustling. But one thing that, you know, that's just super amazing that YC is able to do is expose you to a wider network of the best of the best mentors, investors, and whoever that might come within that YC experience into that. Can you describe real quick, guys, what that network looks like and what type of mentorship and feedback you then get from the YC experience that helps you build Dash Labs further? So um, in terms of, I mean, it was just really helpful to have experienced entrepreneurs and, and the guys who made it mentor you, mm-hmm. right? Uh, our YC group partners. Um, I think 
uh, YC in general, like or at least going through YC gives really good advice in building companies, especially with uh, just building stuff and, and, you know, tips and tricks and tactical um, help that you would get on a weekly basis. So every week, you know, there's a office hours where you meet with your partners and then you bring the problem, the, the biggest problem you have to them. And then you, you come up with the solution together and then you execute it for next week. And in, a, you know, in three months where the focus is growth, having that weekly check-in with those tactical advice just really helped us a lot. Wow. That's amazing. Now I, I want to understand now you're right in the middle of this. What was the biggest struggle? Cause it's not just all, going to be you know um fun in games you know we, we all celebrate the hustle y'all getting to yc that's amazing but what was the biggest struggle in the yc thing because again being remote can be a blessing and a curse sometimes what was the hardest part for you guys so a lot of our um batchmates are either uh, based in the valley or based in the u.s right so mm-hmm. they're actually able to meet up and be able to uh huddle Right, so being jealous of that, uh, being <laughs> the jealous of the food that they eat as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Wow. And I guess uh, one of the one of the things that we also um, found out when we were uh, raising uh, capital, right, yeah. was that these investors, especially the ones in the U.S. and in Europe, uh, they have zero idea about the Philippines. Yeah, uh, it's essentially a black hole for them. Right, absolutely, and uh, we are just very lucky that uh, there are some investors who, uh, because of some time in somewhere in their network, they have uh, uh, either a Filipino or an Asian who right. would actually be able to vouch for uh, the things that we are doing and um, the context that we are in. Then mm-hmm. they would invest, right? Mm-hmm. I, I guess that's uh, that's one of the. Uh, uh, challenges with, uh, with that that we experienced. No, and I totally agree. Um, because if, in the Philippine context, right? Again, there's a study made by Foxmont Capital over the last two years, 2019, 2020, that in the six biggest Southeast Asian markets, we still had the least deals happen, right? Over the Indonesia's of the world, Malaysia's of the world, blah blah blah. We're still very nascent, and you guys putting us on the map really opens doors for everybody else, right? Because now, now again, three, that's unprecedented. We've never had that before. And giving that ability and not just that, the hope for everybody else that, hey, if they can do it, maybe we can do it too. But on the flip side too, you know, not everybody's going to make it, right? But that's what I wanted to ask you now. So you have that opportunity. The, the guys here at the grassroots uh, would probably be, again, looking up to you guys and see like, man, I want to be like them too. What would be your advice for the local startups here? Because again, here are struggles at the grassroots. Like, ah, I can't build my MVP. I can't build my proper team. If I talk to an angel investor, I'll probably get sharked out or there's not enough angel investors. You know, the, the same problems that also exist. You being at the forefront, uh, having these opportunities ahead of you, what would be your advice for those Filipino startups at the grassroots level for them to get that opportunity that even if they don't get to YC, they'd have a better shot at scaling their startups. Sure. So a while ago, we were a six-seater. Now we are an eight-seater. Yes. Someone's <laughs> like on the roof. <laughs> I'd like to recognize uh, Weston, who is our CTO. 
Hello, Weston. He, Welcome he, to the party. Good morning. He'd love to answer this uh, this question of yours. Okay, so the question is, what is our advice to younger startups? Right. The first one is don't chase glory or fame. I think the biggest mistake a lot of startups are doing right now is they're trying to go for big press releases or media attention or big name investors. YC is a term for this. It's called scenesters, where you don't really build a product and you just try to make it look like you're a startup founder without knowing the hard work behind it. Yeah. Um, typically, it happens when you have a non-technical person trying to build a technical product, and then you know they're not they're not really building product. They're hiring someone to build product for them, and they don't really know the product that they're building. Correct. So, if you want to like try to build a business, one is don't go after fame and glory. Two is make sure you really know the, the technical details of what you're trying to solve. Yeah. That way, you come up with the best solution possible for your market. That is amazing. Again. Right, right in the nick of time, that cameo. Thanks, Weston, to, for coming in. And to now our eight-seater, whoever's in the roof, just hang on tight. Our time machine can only accommodate seven. Uh, maybe <laughs> we need to <laughs> upgrade our time machine as well. But uh, that that's amazing because, again, what I want to also say to the founders, especially the young generation, the Zen Z founders that we have here, in the grassroots, especially from the Philippines, we're given an opportunity to see what the best of the best are doing. And if you hear them talk about that, it's not about the money. It's not being about being Twitter verified. It's not about the fame, guys. It's about solving problems. It's not about you. It's not about, yeah, you're putting the Philippines on the map, but you're putting the Philippines on the map to pave the way for everybody else. I always use this analogy, Lightning McQueen in the movie Cars. You know, the guy had so much ego until he gets sent to the desert to only be taught how to pave the way for others. And, and in a way, that's what you guys are doing to show and give hope that everybody in this country who, again, prior to you guys doing this, is a black hole that, hey, Filipino dudes can do this at the grassroots level, right? You just have to prepare. And I'm pretty sure if someone asks you in the, new, the near future, hey, we're trying to go to YC as well. You'd probably pay it forward as well and help, help them get that done. Now, what's the fundraising activity like for a YC startup? You delved into that a little bit. People struggle here. Just to provide context, in the Filipino setting, it's hard to get a seed that's north of 500,000 or even a million if you don't have a regional investor because it's going to be a Mexican standoff, meaning everybody's interested, but nobody wants to lead. And if you want to raise another significant round by having an all local round will also probably hamper you down the road by doing that. Walk us through that fundraising process that you guys are doing or currently doing or have done. Um, I don't know where you guys are now being a YC company. We just finished our round. So congratulations. <laughs> About a million dollars. But what? YC's advice, um, at least it's on their page, um, is that you can separate the batch into three levels, like those that have a really easy time fundraising, the, the top third. Then the second third is they take one to three months to fundraise. And the bottom third is like really long. I mean, I would categorize ourselves as like in the second third. So, I mean, not everything is all pink and, ro you know, rosy and everything with YC. So yeah. it does give you a valuation bump. It does help you with fundraising by getting investors to come to you. 
but right. you still have to do the, the legwork and the calls. So Absolutely. from my experience, I got at least a hundred plus no's, uh, even with YC and fundraising was one and a half months long, but we managed to get to the finish line. Um, wow. And again, uh, what I hear from you guys is that humility is there. And that's important because again, just because you go to YC doesn't mean that uh, you've made it in life. You're also building a startup. And 90% of startups still fail, right? But you de- get that valuation jump, I-, I agree. And the hustle is still the same. It's still hard. <laughs> More than anything that you, you can ever build. And now the stakes are higher being a YC company. You have to perform, right, as well. Now I want to understand from, from a point of view of creating product. Because again, this is what also lacks in the country a little bit. If someone is a developer and he's listening to this podcast now and he wants to build product and it's not common among here, what are the skills that you would think a dev who wants to build product or wants to build his own startup should do in order to properly equip himself to become a founder CEO that is also a dev at the, at the onset? So I think with, uh, again, going back to uh, what Brian said earlier in the, during the interview, right? You need to be able to um, mix and match uh, different skills, right? And the, the only way that you are able to mix and match different skills is to be able to expose yourself uh, and be open to learning all these uh, different uh, skills and be able to actually find uh, certain synergies uh, with them. For example, um, if you are, let's say, a developer uh, that's used to using the LAMP stack, right? Yep. Don't be afraid to venture into learning uh, the mean stack or the MERN stack, for example, right? So, for example, uh, Philly, as he mentioned, uh, prior to joining the uh, BPH uh, as well as uh, Dash Labs, uh, he wasn't exposed to uh, technologies like uh, GraphQL. However, Weston introduced him to these technologies by having him uh, baptized by, by fire. Um, then he was able to actually now build infrastructures based on these technologies. Um, I think uh, Weston would like to contribute to this uh, discussion, Wes? Oh, yeah, I also want to add, like, you know, while Philly learned GraphQL from me, I learned a lot of infra stuff from him. So it's a give and take kind of relationship. Philly is my boss. <laughs> there you um, go. I guess, like, for developers, one strong advice is don't run away from the business side. And yes. when, you, when you build a business, make sure you work with people who are who also understand the technical foundation of your company. I've seen teams break down because you have a non-technical PM or a non-technical person calling the shots. And so you tend to make decisions all over the place. You go like, I want this feature, I want this feature, I want it to look really good. But then that person's making decisions without knowing the foundation of your software. And so you end up building something like Frankenstein's monster, which is not good. (laughs) But after like three months, your company is paralyzed and the business person really has no control over the business. So don't run away from business. Learn how to say no if you think a feature is not good and stand your ground when you're building product because you have the most decision information when you're building a technical product. 
All right, that's amazing. Now, last question before I let you go because you guys now we're a nine seater. Holy shit! This is a this is a bus. This is now a bus. The wheels on the bus go round and <laughs> there's nine people in this recording. I've never had this before. This feels like a clubhouse recording, by the way. Uh, <laughs> that thing. Oh, last question before I let you go. What's your advice for building a team? You guys have obviously built an amazing team. You know, obviously you're all amazing in your own accord. But what's your advice in creating such an amazing team and make sure that no no egos clash and you put all your best efforts forward? Because again, it's not easy to build a team this spectacular that has a a solid dev background led by Sir Martin again the the <laughs> the ultimate uh, Nick Fury of the team he's also we don't know guys you might never know maybe he's a scroll himself and you, you have no idea uh, I'll, I'll throw this to you Martin because again you've seen these kids also come together uh, yes. as well and you've seen them grow up what's the common denominator uh, with these guys coming to the table and again leaving their ego at the door yeah, again, again, exactly that, right? That these are people who are able to leave their ego at the door, right? So really talented people know that they're talented, right? So they do not need to parade anything. Um, Silent confidence. Yes, <laughs> right? So also these uh, people uh, don't have this, uh, what you call, superiority complex, right? Small so when, energy. That's yes. what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> so you have terms for that. <laughs> yep. I, I, I try to cope up with the Gen Gs. Yes. Right? They, old school before, they call it Napoleon complex. Now it's small dick energy. There you go. <laughs> right? Uh, that, that sometimes they... Uh, I mean, sure, their technical shit can be really, really good. But, uh, you know, sometimes they forget about their primary uh, audience, right? Which is the, 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 the clients or the users, right? So... They, uh, they have a, it's this super nice code, but uh, the UX is fail, right? So I don't want you to be using it. So I think being able to uh, have uh, people who are able to know themselves and be able mm-hmm. to adapt to the different needs and be able to address these uh, using their own skills, right? Then these would be the people that... Uh, you'd really, really uh, want in your team. In a sense, Dashboard Philippines and Dashboard Labs, uh, which is Dash Labs right now, is quite unique in a sense that we don't just make money, but rather it's really a social justice business, right? Yep. With, uh, with impact. And I say this, of course, with, uh, with, with much humble pride in a sense, right? So... I, I think this goes back to our, if I may, reference uh, our our school's uh, uh, vision, yep. right? Uh, of savior. Jesuit teaching, right? Yes, <laughs> right. That it's uh, it's not just magic, but rather it's really forming people uh, fully alive, endowed with a passion for justice and the skills for development. So I think that uh, that enables uh, us to um, really have a, a north star, right, on what we do and why we're doing. Uh, what we do, right? That is amazing. Again, guys, thank you very much for riding the bus. It's no longer a time machine. Uh, it is a bus. But before I let you go, please invite people over and what should they look out for uh, in the next coming months and years of what you're building 
And again, congratulations for everything. But what's up next for Dash Labs? Please uh, check it away. And if they want to reach out to you, how do they do that? Thank you. Um, let me pre- preface this with, uh, with, with saying that if you want to innovate and if you want freedom to be able to do so, do reach out to us and we'll find ways to, uh, to, to, to work together. And with that, uh, Weston, would you like to uh, pitch in? I'll take it. So Dash Labs, um, the uh, mission we have is to simplify healthcare. So um, at least the company is going to be focused on doing that wherever we can. Uh, we're starting off with diagnostic laboratories and simplifying, you know, the way the patients get their tests done. You know, how much the Red Cross and it's just what makes sense to do now. Uh, but we plan to expand to, you know, providing patients with an app where they can have all their medical records and uh, carry their medical records on their phone. Wow. Uh, no longer need to deal with, you know, paper forms or papers, picking up those paper results at your lab yep. um, physically. And yeah, essentially have your whole medical history on your phone. That's what we're that- is very exciting again thanks very much but before i let you go follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to whether it's spotify apple podcast or whatever app uh, you're using too again just click the follow button to get that done and i'm pretty sure we made mega jargon on this episode so it's gonna be all on the show notes today if you are lost and you don't know what the hell we talked about just just go there where we got you all right and lastly uh if you want to participate in how we grow the show Follow us in the uh, Hustle Share community on Facebook. And lastly, message us on our only tech in this podcast. It's the chatbot at m.me slash hustle share powered by chatbot ph. Again, guys, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace. <laughs>